We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by FanClash.com. It is Tuesday, November 15th, 2016. I'm Jake Latarski here alongside Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCat30. You can follow me at JakeSki52. If you have a quick second, uh, happen to be listening uh, on iTunes or Stitcher and can take a moment to give us a nice rating and review, it is always much appreciated. We always like any kind of feedback we can get here. Eric, let's start off here with uh, Monday Night Football recap. We'll get right to Monday Night Football. The uh, the Bengals 20 going down to the New York Football Giants. 
21. It was a close game here, and it was pretty much close throughout here. Even though both teams scored on their opening drives, it looked like it was going to be a shootout. We didn't get the case. I think a lot of that uh, was due to Dalton's. I mean, he had, he finished the game 16 for 29, 204 yards, touchdown and a pick, just the 24.4 QBR. I mean, what do you think of Dalton as a fantasy quarterback moving forward? Well, honestly, I didn't see the game. Um, I was busy with other stuff. But, yeah, after looking at the stat line, I was kind of disappointed. Of course, uh, I don't have Dalton anywhere, fortunately. But, yeah, I mean, if you're an A.J. Green owner, I mean, I guess he's going to get targeted enough that he's always going to be somewhat relevant. He did score in this game. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Green finished with 7 for 68 and a score on 11 targets, so that's good news. I'm an Dalton owner in one format where I Mm -hmm. flip-flop him and James Winston, and I think James Winston is going to be that guy for the majority of the rest of the season, especially given his playoff schedule here. I, I recently acquired him with the trade from our own Nick Whalen and uh, hopefully going to help lead me to free stake at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, that's another story. Let's keep running down the box score, though. Tyler Eifert of the Bengals, uh, three catches on five targets for 96 yards. That was bolstered by a 71-yard performance on the opening drive. I mean, he had uh, 102 so, yards through the air last week and now 96. If I may ask, uh, what was that play like? Did he... Was it like a Gronk-like play where he went down the middle and then just like kind of rumbled through the defense for seventy-one yards or what? Yes, yeah, so yeah, it was. You almost described that perfectly without okay. watching the game. From what I can remember, yeah, I believe uh, I remember glancing up and seeing him running. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a vertical pass where Dalton mm-hmm. threw it forty in the air. It was kind of a, a seam up the middle that he you know maybe broke a tackle and kept going. Here. Okay, so uh, that's the Eifert. That's the that's the good stuff you want to see yeah. if you're a Tyler Eifert owner here. Exactly, and uh, you know with Gronk's <laughs> injury situation slightly uncertain still. Uh, guys like Tyler Eifert could jump into the top five fantasy tight ends here oh, moving yeah. forward. Yeah. All right, so enough about uh, the Bengals. Well, I guess we got a quick hit on the running back situation here. Jeremy Hill found the end zone, carried the ball 15 times for 46 yards and a score. Gio Bernard, largely ineffective, 7 for 17. No touchdowns, three catches for 19 yards, so him largely held in check. Uh, I mean, we're starting to see that separation between Hill and Bernard continue here with Bernard's utility being really limited to PPR formats. Yeah, it really seems like it's, I mean, personally, I think it's going to be kind of a weekly thing. Like, I think one week Hill will be the like the important one like it was this week and you know it'll go back it'll swing back to Bernard like more often than not like I I think half the games you're gonna like what he what he gives you yeah, almost like a Belichick backfield situation if you look at, like, LeGarrette Blount and Shane Vereen yeah. in the past. You never really know for sure. A lot of it's going to be game planning exactly what the defense gives you here. But the New York Giants, Eli Manning with a pretty solid outing, 28-444. That's just 5.5 yards per attempt at 240 yards, so maybe some, I guess, a little bit to be desired there. But you can't argue with the three touchdowns. Did throw two picks, was sacked once. Uh, I mean, Eli Manning kind of doing his thing. Most of his damage coming to Odell Beckham, who finished with 10 uh, catches on 11 targets for 97 yards and a touchdown. I needed 32 fantasy points from Odell Beckham to uh, get the win. I fell just six short, unfortunately, in my full PPR format Man. here. But, uh, I mean, much of the same from Odell and Eli, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he's going to be Victor Cruz out. He's going to be the most targeted no matter what. Uh, on a weekly basis the unfortunate thing that he was that he wasn't able to break a big one he only had a long of 21 and averaged 9.7 yards per catch which is well below what he's capable of doing yeah absolutely running down the rest of the pass catching options with like i said victor cruz rule out for this one we had will tie targeted eight times caught five for 53 sterling shepherd had one of the other touchdowns uh five for 42 and a score on the day on seven targets uh everybody started jarell adams this week he caught three for 18 and a score yeah and it should be 
be noted that uh, because Victor Cruz is out, um, Roger Lewis actually got the start at wideout. They start three wideouts in their uh, mm-hmm. sets, yep. their primary set. But he only had one catch for two yards. Previously, though, in the previous three games, he had two touchdowns on his three catches. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, there, there was an opportunity for him there. Very boomer bust, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. All right, I want to close out Monday Night Football talking about the New York Giants backfield. Rashad Jennings looked pretty good in this one, and I think he might have bought himself at least another week of continuing to get the majority of the touches. Carried the ball 15 times for 87 yards, also caught three passes for 22 yards, so pretty modest, reasonable PPR day for uh, for Jennings. Paul Perkins, someone who I know we both like as an up-and-comer quite a bit, he was targeted three times in the passing game, did not catch a pass, carried the ball nine times for 31 yards, so a pretty quiet day from Perkins. We're not ready to quite start Perkins yet, but we still are in the camp that he should be owned, right? Yeah, and I feel like when I was looking at a box score on my phone, like midway through the third quarter, mm-hmm. the backfield situation was pretty dour. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. Jennings barely had any production. Yeah, it, a lot I, of I think Jennings' was production came at the end of the game when, when they, they were, were trying, trying to run the clock oh, out. That that makes sense. Yeah, then. he had a big. Okay. I think his twenty-five yard run came in the fourth quarter, so that helped the final stat line a little bit. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jennings Jennings is a fringe RB two in in deep formats. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. someone I necessarily want to rely on, especially I think Paul Perkins. Well, I mean. I would think that Paul Perkins will get more involved and kind of take more of a lead role eventually, but I keep saying that and it hasn't happened yet, so uh, just wait and see, folks, I suppose. Maybe another Jennings injury? I mean, he is 31 after all. Yeah, and, and injury-prone for sure, but uh, I, would th- I think on merit alone he'll eventually get there, mm-hmm. but it may be in the last like couple weeks of the season, I guess, at this point. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to jump to the waiver wire portion of our show where all fab recommendations are based on a 12-team standard format with a $100 budget. Eric and I took percent-owned figures this morning so those are our sub, sub excuse me subject to change depending on what time you are listening to this podcast we were recording at about 225 eastern time eric week 11 buys we've got atlanta denver the jets and san diego so uh, a couple of decent teams there uh, that we're gonna have to hopefully pick up some options here on the waiver wire to get you through one of the final weeks of buys let's talk quarterbacks though last week we hinted at jay cutler it didn't work out we learned our lesson on Jay Cutler. Even when he has a great matchup, terrible quarterbacks are just going to be terrible quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he will have a stellar outing every once in a while like he did in his mm-hmm. first game back, but then he has three to- turnovers in the next mm-hmm. like yeah. he just had. He did that. He, I mean, he had a great game against Minnesota. Then there was a bye week, and I was thinking, man, he actually played well against one of the better defenses. But I'm starting to think now that that looks more like a symptom of Minnesota kind of being on the decline. Yeah, and I mean, Minnesota has been missing some defensive starters, some key defensive players of late. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not really surprising that he was able to have a decent outing and also the free fall nature of the Vikings at the moment, too. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> but uh, Tampa Bay, you, you yeah, would think Tampa that Bay secondary has been very susceptible. You, you would have think you would have thought he would have been able to take advantage of that. Man, but, even with Elshon Jeffrey using PEDs, yeah. he still couldn't. <laughs> Which we'll get <laughs> sure. to that. We'll, we'll get to that later. Elshon Jeffrey, a four-game suspension if you've been living under a rock and did not notice that yet. So uh, big news. We'll talk about that in the wide receiver section here. We do want to update our two quarterback formats here uh, because it's always important. Uh, Bryce Petty, he got the start for the Jets. They're on a bye week. Regardless of who starts for the Jets, outside of two quarterback leagues, they're probably not fantasy relevant. I mean, Bryce Petty, I mean, that was an ugly game between the Jets and the Rams here where no quarterback really yeah. did anything worth a damn. And uh, because they're entering their bye week, Fitzpatrick will actually have time to get healthy and, and to 
in anticipation of actually playing and they're they're not out of the playoff picture either yeah. so i think they're actually going to play him until they're totally out of it yeah I was, that's exactly what i was going to ask they got to be really close to being mathematically yeah. eliminated but maybe not there yet so uh mm-hmm. i guess they're going to keep rolling with fitzpatrick i don't know if uh so if if, if war were an nfl stat i mean i, I would be certain that wins that Fitzpatrick would have negative wins above replacement this year. So you got to think, oh man, you can't really get much worse than that. But uh, they're going to the lead with the veteran. They're going to lead with the veteran. I mean, so many turnovers. Yeah. And by the way, you, you wrote down Jared Goff before the situation changed. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, I did see. I had been popping okay. on NFL Network here in our media room to check that out. Uh, okay. The other two quarterback update. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So Jared Goff, um, after Sunday's game. Uh, Jeff Fisher wouldn't commit to one of mm-hmm. one of Jared Goff or Case Naturally. Keenum, Naturally. but actually on Tuesday it it came out that Jared Goff is expected to get his first start, and this will actually be his first NFL snaps, yes. let alone his first start. So, so Jared Goff's going to start. The real question is, Eric, is he ready? I mean, maybe um, maybe the fact that Jeff Fisher's willing to give him the reins of the offense means that he is ready in his mind. Yeah, quite um, possible. And. I, this is one thing I've been reading on and off about, but remember Vince uh, Vince Young in Tennessee, like they gave him the they gave him the starting quarterback job right away without qualms. They gave mm-hmm. it to him, and it didn't go swimmingly. Like no, he was okay, but it it didn't go great. I think he wanted to like and Young Goff took a beating, then floated around the league for a while. Yeah. I mean, just saving Goff from these first ten weeks of action probably saved him so many hits, and that's good for the longevity of his career, and yeah. hopefully saving the kid's confidence. And also, pro- it got it got it allowed him to see how Keenum prepared, you know, from week to week, and you know maybe help him become a better professional as a result. Yeah, very um, much. I just want to. I'm just wondering, like, what are the gonna what are gonna be the residual impacts on, say, Kenny Britt, who's been a really nice, you know, fantasy player this year, this season. Yep. Like, is he gonna fall off, and you know, Tavon Austin is all of a sudden like the main receiver in this offense? Yeah, that's one of those situations where you should take a wait and see approach, if any mm-hmm. way possible. See what, uh, see how who he likes to go to. Maybe there's second team guys he likes to go to that will kind of be unearthed in this game. Maybe he's a Lance Kendricks guy. I guess. Yeah, there's I was only gonna, one way to know. I was gonna say when it comes to you know rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks you know that tight end is always like a tight end and you know pass catching back so that could also be you know Benny Cunningham getting into the act a little more yeah who knows I mean okay so Todd Gurley one of the better I still will say he's one of the better real life running backs in the National Football League I know he's disappointed fantasy wise this year but I mean if I was starting a team and got to pick any young running back he would probably be I don't know three or four behind Zeke and David Johnson but he doesn't have the old line of you know those other guys exactly I mean (laughs) picture Todd Gurley behind Dallas man he'd have 2,500 yards this year but that's neither here nor there I mean Jared Goff has weapons he's got a good running back he's got Kenny Britt if he wants to utilize him and Tavon Austin is very sneaky he could help the quarterback stats with those kind of two-yard passes that he breaks sure so I mean their weapons there it's possible I own Goff in a best ball league where I also own Mariota and Kirk Cousins I'm not in any two quarterback leagues this year, so I'm not rushing to pick him up. I think you pick him up to replace Keenum. But on top of that, I mean, he's probably in the bottom five in terms of quarterback rankings this week. I just don't see, uh, I mean, Miami Miami average, I guess, but uh, I, I don't see him having a, a big statistical week his first time out. They go heavy on the run and probably going to end up being in, in, a, in an ugly low-scoring game. Yeah, and perhaps if you're in a two-quarterback league and you know you have Trevor Semyon or um, Ryan Fitzpatrick slash Bryce Petty, 
on mm-hmm. by this week. You can go out and, you know, put a bid in on him too. Yeah. On Goff, that is. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, all those guys, Fitzpatrick, Simeon, I mean, all drop options essentially. Yeah, exactly. From a week to week. Those guys are floaters that you pick up based on matchup here. So, yeah. Not a lot going on there. All right, Eric, let's shift to running back. Uh, last week we discussed Paul Perkins. As you noted, hasn't quite arrived yet. Uh, we kind of talked about that with our Monday Night Football recap. Dewan Harris, we talked about he had a, I mean, he was, two weeks ago was really his week. Last week with Carlos Hyde back, he didn't do a whole lot. Is He's, no real, he's not really more than a Hyde handcuff at this point then, right? Yeah, I would say so. I think uh, Carlos Hyde had 31 snaps, Dewan Harris 23, and Mike Davis 21. Mm-hmm. So they're, they were doing like a balanced approach at the backfield in, the fir- in Hyde's first game back. But I can really see Hyde like staking a claim, at, meaning Dewan Harris is going to be you know relegated to third down duties, basically. Yeah, and I think there's a lot better handcuff or backups to own than Dewan Harris. You know, sure. I, I'd be all over owning an Alfred Morris before Dewan Harris, for example, here. That's a good one, Probably yeah. one of the best handcuffs <laughs> in the league, you know, so kind of going with the cliche example. But at the same time, there are guys that you might want to own over him if you're just looking for a handcuff to stash on your bench. Uh, last week, we did briefly give Capri Bibbs a little bit of a mention. Career-high seven carries for 22 yards against the Saints, but, you know, that's about what you can expect here as a as almost a ceiling unless he has one of those random garbage time breakout runs that got him on the radar two weeks ago. Yeah, and the Broncos are also heading into their bye week too, so mm-hmm. he, he's gonna you're gonna have to be in a pretty yeah. deep league to consider picking yeah. him up. This You'd be hard pressed to be in a situation where you would roster Capri Bibbs. Yeah. One guy last week we did discuss Kenneth Dixon. I think his trajectory still continues to be on the rise. Yeah, I agree. Is he someone you take a look at? Yeah, and uh, yeah, for sure. So the the last two weeks since uh, the Ravens bye, he's actually received only six less snaps than uh, Terrence West, mm-hmm. and it seems to be that they're they kind of have a 50-50 share of the backfield. And then Kenneth Dixon comes out after Sunday's game saying he feel he finally feels 100% after mm-hmm. missing the first four games of the season. I could easily see this backfield flipping. If an injury happens to West or West doesn't um, mm-hmm. actually uphold his end of the bargain as a starter. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens who have playoff aspirations are going to be, it's going to be in their best interest to kind of preserve both guys so they can definitely ride their hot hand going into the postseason. Yeah. So something to keep an eye on here. But new guys, guys we haven't really talked about before, we're going to start out with C.J. Procise of the Seattle Seahawks. I think we maybe have given him an honorable mention in the past, but he wasn't really a go-out-and-get-him-now type of guy. This week things have changed, and I would say he's the top overall pickup for the week. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of... (laughs) been debating between uh both precise and robert kelly because if robert kelly is out there i think you should really take a stab at him especially Mm -hmm. since he's got over 20 carries in back-to-back games oh yeah whereas precise has you know christine michael sitting there getting a little healthier and also rawls is practicing with the aim to return this weekend okay so uh, i could see both of those guys kind of eating into um Procise's, you know, touches this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it, it really depends on the, like how they progress through the week of practice. So, you know, yeah. So let's just rehash Rob Kelly here. We'll uh, we'll we'll jump to him because uh, he's someone that we've talked about in the past as someone to pick up. But his status has been cemented even further. One because Matt Jones was inactive on Sunday. Two because Chris Thompson, the only other viable threat to take carries from him, fumbled the ball away on Sunday. And of course, that doesn't uh, 
go over well with Coach Gruden here. So, which is exactly what uh, Matt Jones did to to, to lose know, the job and become yeah. inactive in the first place. Exactly. So. Woo! <laughs> All right. So, uh, I mean, Rob Kelly's probably the guy if he, if he's available. Go out and get him. Checking on his availability, he's like a coin toss availability. Yeah. I could see even a twenty five dollar bid on Rob Kelly if you had to. I mean, he's someone that if if he starts the rest of the year, he's you know, he's good enough to do some things for you in the playoffs. Yeah. If you've saved enough fab to actually have twenty five dollars remaining at the moment, why not? Yeah. Someone to absolutely. <laughs> keep an eye on but otherwise precise i think your fab bid I, I you made an excellent point thomas rawls getting healthier christine michael dealing with a hamstring injury out of all those backs though i mean is there one guy that i mean maybe christine michael i guess you want to own the most but i mean i just think that skills wise and 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 upside wise precise is I, is better i i like the fact that he basically handled the bulk of the you know backfield touches this past uh, weekend against new england and his pass catching seven catches he caught all seven of his targets turned that into 87 yards i mean led the team in receiving i I believe or right up there with doug baldwin i mean this is about the time last year which we're going to mention later when we talk about tyler lockett but Mm -hmm. at this time last year so the seahawks conveniently enough have had week nine buys and back-to-back seasons Mm -hmm. and they exploded after their week nine by last year Mm -hmm. and then the two games since you know, or in the game sense, rather, they've done it again against New England. Yeah, been a good Pete Carroll strategy, I guess, if you will. Just kind of float, make sure you stay around 500 and, during the first eight weeks, yeah. take your bye, and then and then go off and, and get momentum. Because they looked like a Super Bowl contender on oh, Sunday yeah. night. There's for, no doubt about that. For sure. And uh, last year when they were, you know, employing or going through this off- offensive explosion in the second half, they actually had, were the most balanced offense in the league. They were roughly 50-50 run to pass. Mm-hmm. If you're the pass catching, or if you're the all-around back, like C.J. Procise seemed to be, like it's very, hugely profitable. Yeah, absolutely. So someone to take a look at. I mean, if Seattle starts airing things out, Procise is one of the beneficiaries. Maybe some other wide receivers, given their health, could benefit as well. Let's shift to the Bears' backfield, though, Eric. Uh, Man, this is a really vague situation where it's almost too close to call <laughs> at this time of the week here. But some leagues do have Tuesday night fab bidding, so we're going to come out and say that it's going to be a gamble on either of these guys. But Jordan Howard, he's got some sort of ankle or Achilles injury. I mean, John Fox will eventually be forced to release a practice report, so he can't keep this thing a secret forever, can't keep it bottled up forever. If Howard has to miss any time, who I mean, Howard has emerged as their future back, but if he has to miss time, we go probably to Jeremy Langford, Kadeem Carey territory. I mean, yeah, I, it's tough to know like which one to lean toward. Honestly, I mean, Carey's rarely owned, whereas Langford is in you know owned in roughly twenty five to thirty three percent of leagues. Yeah, I mean, Langford had the the hype on draft day, yeah. so I think he would be dropped in more leagues. But then I think some of those percent ownership figures are skewed by owners that have drafted their team and then failed to manage it all year mm-hmm. and never actually dropped Jeremy sure. Langford. So that could be part of the reason why Langford's there overall. But you look at the two backs head to head. Let's just say hypothetically, Howard doesn't play. I think Langford brings. Uh, I thought about this a lot. I was, I was my gut said carry last week, but after thinking about it more, I was like, okay, Langford brings a little bit more versatility and upside just because of, of pass catching and in the screen game. Yeah, and also he has the track record of actually being able to handle like the entire, you know, workload out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, yeah, I, I would lean slightly toward him. On the other hand, Jordan Howard seems to think that this injury isn't serious. He ain't suffering from no injury, apparently. I mean, yeah. he said that was a quote that, of that, his. Yeah, a direct quote. I mean, that's Jordan Howard talking. It's not the team doctor, mm-hmm. so I'm not uh, going to look too far into that. But, yeah, he only had two carries after halftime on Sunday, 
and he spent most of the second half on a stationary bike. Mm -hmm. When he had his last carry, he had a slight lip as he went off the field. So clearly he's dealing with something, but you know, we won't really know anything until Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last, uh, one of the last running backs I want to talk about here, James Starks of the Packers owned in 29% of both Yahoo and ESPN leagues. Now, he returned to the field last week against Tennessee here, and I don't, I don't, we don't need to rehash this too much. We're both <laughs> Packer fans that are a little bit heartbroken, but the Packers quickly went down two scores, and they were down roughly that much for the rest of the entire game. At that point, you pretty much have to give up on the run game, and so the game flow did not dictate or did not do well for Starks' production. That being said, uh, he goes into Washington this week. Washington giving up the fifth most fantasy points, two opposing running backs. Uh, so maybe they try to get back to the run, try to heat up some clock, go back to controlling time of possession. First and foremost, not get down so early. But I think Starks is going to be more involved this yeah, week. Yeah, I think that's really the key, ball control. Um, if if they win the toss, they, sh- they should really take the kickoff and not allow Kirk Cousins to quickly get up on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have no idea um, what Green Bay is, you know, secondary, let alone is Clay Matthews going to be available. Mm-hmm. If, if uh, Demarius Randall and Clay Matthews are unavailable again, I mean, they really are going to need to make sure that they, you know, have the upper end or upper hand rather in uh, time of possession. So that would mean I, I would think that James Starks gets a bunch a bunch of work this week because Ty Montgomery was essentially invisible last week against mm-hmm. the Titans. I mean, he had been taking snaps with the running back groups to practice, getting lining up in the backfield on a lot of plays here, but he wasn't really used. Now, I guess some of that could be faulted on game flow as well, but I still think we see maybe 70% of the touches for Starks. He's going to get, he's going to get carries. I would guess, you know, unless something fluky again happens with the game, I would guess he gets in the 15 to 20 carry range. And um, I, I would say so. And yeah. that'll be mildly productive. I mean, we'll, we'll watch the health of David Bakhtiari and the rest of the offensive line, but this offensive line has been healthy and consistent this season, and that's good news for Starks. Yeah, I, I believe um, I believe TJ Lang also got banged up this past weekend. Yeah. Our number one guard. I'm going to check that out yeah. quick. So I guess we'll get uh, ankle we'll, we'll injury keep, for yeah. him. Yeah, so we'll give that a close watch here. But, yeah. uh, but either way, I think the opportunities should be there for Starks in week 11 here um honorable mentions uh you know we already kind of discussed rob kelly one other guy that i noticed that uh i, I just did the dfs running back pod with john mckechnie uh, a moment ago i do these back-to-back on tuesdays and john brought up akeem hunt of the houston texans now lamar miller very limited in the second half of that game against jacksonville akeem hunt came out here eight carries for 52 yards so six and a half yards per carry one ca- catch on two targets for just a yard so you're going to want to watch the Lamar Miller situation here, but if Lamar Miller is not practicing or very limited in practice this week, I think Akeem Hunt offers a little bit more upside than your Alfred Blue. We got to watch him a little bit in the Big Ten. He returned kicks for Purdue for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, he, he's, he's got excellent breakaway speed and uh, could provide an excellent change of pace. Of course, that's given that Lamar Miller is limited because a healthy Lamar Miller means a huge workload for Lamar Miller, but Akeem, uh, Akeem Hunt, possible flyer i mean but it's a hail mary at this point yeah we should know too that uh alfred blue actually suffered a calf injury he did return to sunday's game mm-hmm. but that may hobble him a bit in practice this week yeah. so yeah i mean like if he's the only did, back that's 100 percent. i mean yeah if you're in a deep league why not throw out a one dollar bid and just get him 
yeah. this week. Get them, stash them, and then see what the injury reports look like. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot of leagues do fab on Tuesdays, and you know you kind of got to get ahead of the game here. Uh, drop candidates. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I know Peyton Barber this week had more production yardage-wise than Doug Martin, but I'm thinking he can probably get get let go because Doug Martin's getting healthier. He's going to take a higher percentage of the touches in the backfield. Jacquez Rogers, he'll eventually come around to kind of be the backup. Uh, Peyton Barber. Drop yeah. him? I, I would say, yeah. Be, Jaquiz Rogers has already ditched his walking boot. He did that early last week. Mm-hmm. I could easily see him you know, getting in some limited practices this week. All right. And then uh, Tim Hightower, I know we recommended him highly a couple weeks ago. His yards per carry was pretty dreadful last week. It, granted, it's the Broncos, but you know Ingram seems to be the guy there. I think if you're in a shallow 10-team league, Tim Hightower might be a drop candidate at this point. Yeah, yeah. But if if you're in a 12 team league and have, you know, enough yeah. bench spots, I think it's okay to keep them yeah. around a little I, I'm, longer. I'm keeping Hightower in my yeah. 12 team okay, league, but, but if you're shallower, you know, eight yeah. to 10, yeah. and, you know, if you're playing with your seven best buds from high school still, then, then maybe <laughs> you can drop, uh, you can drop Tim Hightower here. If you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. Put that fantasy knowledge to the test on fan clash trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Rotowire has teamed up with FanClash to bring you NFL Week 10 trivia with cash on the line. Rotowire will be running a contest on FanClash against Rotowire expert and co-founder Jeff Erickson on November 15th. You know, they forgot to add Fantasy Sports Trade Association Hall of Famer to that title here, but that would have been a little rough for the read. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's the opportunity, guys. There's no entry fee. I repeat that this contest is free to join. All it is is fantasy sports trivia. It's a, it's a pretty cool experience, but it's free to join. And the top 50 finishers earn cash prizes. I mean, this is free money, guys. Go yeah. ahead and jump on. It's like, to, it's like getting your free rolls in DFS. You know, it can't hurt. I know we mentioned this for the first time last week, but did you actually check it out? Um, I, I actually didn't get edition? a chance to, but okay. uh, with free money on the line, I, I, I will be checking it out here. But okay. uh, top 50 finishers earn cash prizes uh, with the top 10 getting free six-month subscriptions to Rotowire. Reserve your spot now and compete with Rotowire's own Jeff Erickson to see who really knows the most about NFL trivia from all of Week 10's action. Again, let's go to the fan clash dot com slash rotowire to sign up now free money folks i mean this should sell itself i i I don't know how i can make this any easier guys it's free yeah no seriously like free money you you have to give an email address and 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 then you're there you know win some free money with all your fantasy knowledge i mean if you're just listening to this podcast you know where you know the what's what of fantasy in week 10 Mm -hmm. so you're already ahead of the game here yeah for sure yeah go after some of those fish get your free money i mean mean, free money buzzwords it is what it is anyway (laughs) Wide receivers, Eric. Uh, last week we talked about Corey Coleman a little bit. His ownership's back up to 55% in ESPN formats. Rashard Matthews has scored a touchdown in five of his last six games. I think he probably needs to be owned anywhere for that reason alone. Jameson Crowder we just discussed as well. His ownership's almost all the way up to 60% here. So we're going to kind of pass on talking about those guys in depth. I would put those guys uh, possibly above the targets we're about to discuss today. Mm-hmm. But we do have a pair of wide receivers that you might want to take a look at on the waiver wire. Now, Cameron Meredith of the Bears, he was, he's been mentioned by us in the past. He was someone that Brian Hoyer really liked to go to, one of Hoyer's favorite targets. When Jay Cutler took back over, he was largely an afterthought, and really his only production Sunday was a 50-yard Hail Mary at the end of the half that saved uh, Jay Cutler from a negative fantasy performance, essentially. Uh, but Cameron Meredith only owned in 33% of Yahoo, 20% of ESPN leagues. The reason he comes up again is the Elshon Jeffrey four-game suspension. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... 
he will be listed as you know number two on the depth chart now because Eddie Royal Eddie is still Royal around. Is but on okay. the other hand, I, I think he's still going to be the number one you know receiving threat for them. Did I make um, a mistake and not list Eddie Royal? Should he be the top target? That's the thing. I think he's a little too sporadic. I mean, it's past week three, so what has Eddie Royal ever done? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he always, I know Royal always gets off to those hot starts. If you listen to us in yeah. the past, we like to uh, we like to always throw the, throw the throw the caution flag out there to not overreact and spend all your fab money following Eddie Royal's week one performance here. So I, you know, that, that's where that that uh, background well, comes from. It's but. just like we're oh, so the past uh, the past two games with Jay Cutler back. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey has totaled eight and nine for seventeen targets during that span. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those targets have to go somewhere. They're not all going to go to Zach Miller and Eddie Royal. Mm-hmm. I feel a lot of them are going to get filtered to filter Mare this way, mm-hmm. and he already has two one hundred yard games this season. Mm-hmm. So he's, so he's proven of, of of shouldering the load. Yeah. Except the only problem now is he's probably going to face. I mean. If you're an opposing defensive coordinator and you have one solid cover corner and one mediocre one, do you wrap up Meredith or do you wrap up Royal? That's the question. Royal has more experience, more of a track record. Maybe Meredith a little bit more explosive, more upside, or do you just kind of go let them each play their side and see what happens? It's just a tough call. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because it always used to be Elshon Jeffrey, no matter what, yeah. getting the number one corner, the number sure. one attention, and rightfully so. So maybe there's a little bit of a fact there. I mean, for that reason, I'm not. I own Eddie Royal in one of my five leagues. I think I might start him because I have him. I had him as an Elshon Jeffrey backup. I never cut him from when I had him before. Sure. So, I mean, I, for that reason, though, I mean, he'll be getting tougher matchups, and Jay Cutler's bad. So for those reasons. <laughs> I wouldn't spend more than a couple bucks on the waiver wire. I just and if you do get him, you kind of have to temper expectations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I really would have to be scrounging if I put him into a starting spot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's totally viable to put him into yeah. a flex position. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on you know your league size, if you have multiple flex spots, then it makes it a little easier to throw him in there. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So let's uh so again, a couple bucks on the waiver wire for for Meredith if you feel the need to. Another guy who I think uh is worth checking out, Tyree Kill. Now we've mentioned him in the past. You know, he's his usage has always been very low, but he has shown athleticism, explosiveness, all the good stuff that you want to see. And he finally came through with a nice stat line, catching ten passes on thirteen targets for eighty nine yards in Sunday's victory over Carolina, and he also gets a carry here and there for good measure. So that also is another nice boost for his fantasy performance here. I mean, although I like what he brings to the table, I don't think the Chiefs pass enough for you to use Tyree Kill in your starting lineup when Macklin is in the lineup. But when Macklin's out of the lineup, someone you have to take a look at. Yeah, and this is such a wait-and-see approach, really. I mean, if we're talking, you know, a bid, I mean, he would be pretty farmer down my, you know, waiver mm-hmm. Uh, positioning and he might maybe even, only like might two dollar bid through right? might even sneak through you oh yeah know. yeah for sure um but you can probably get him for one dollar max uh this week but it, it's really contingent upon macklin actually being able to practice or not yeah most we of won't know leagues, that till wednesday yeah again. exactly most of my <laughs> leagues i saw chris conley and albert wilson get picked up beforehand but mm-hmm. i just yeah in this situation i just like the more explosive guy here i think i think uh tyreek hill's you know skill set fits mm-hmm. more conveniently into the offense um or yep. into uh, Macklin's place in the offense, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why he does profit when he's out. But 
if, if Macklin is back this weekend, I can see Hill going back to a very sporadic role. Yeah, very short-term utility for a guy like Hill, so be sure to be careful there. Uh, a couple honorable mentions for you. Rashad per- Perriman led all Ravens in receiving yards Thursday. But that was just four targets. Five other players had four or more targets. And, of course, it's the Browns. So, I mean, Rashad Perriman got the touchdown. I, I picked him up and streamed him in Stake League because I had Golden Tate and T.Y. Hilton on a bye. I feel really lucky because I'm probably – he's on my – drop list now but I, yeah. I don't know he's someone that people liked a lot as a rookie and might eventually get his chance over the next year or two once Mike Wallace Steve Smith start to move on maybe finally decide to retire but with all those guys healthy and in the mix here Brashad Perriman's a very fringy guy for me yeah and he's uh, the Ravens are also traveling to Dallas this week so that's kind of a red flag too mm-hmm. do you really want to uh, you know start wide outs going against the number one perhaps team in the league right now yeah yeah <laughs> something uh, I mean hey the the only logical reason behind that would be maybe they get behind Zeke runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, so the Ravens, John McCackney brought this up earlier today, but uh, the Ravens have the best DVOA against the run, according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I don't know. Zeke might have a tough time. So maybe it's not going to be a shootout. We might see a, a 13-10 game. A slobber knocker. <laughs> yeah. But that, like that that would also, you know, not bode well for any wideouts in, in exactly. the game. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Rashad Perriman, risky play at best. Uh, you know, I, 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 I got to talk about Rashard Matthews again because he's becoming Marcus Mariota's favorite target yep. and Marcus Mariota's on fire. The guy yeah. is hot, 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 hot. And, uh, you might as well get the, I mean, I think Delaney Walker is probably his favorite target. Technically Rashard Matthews is his favorite receiver, but he loves going to Matthews in the red zone. And we should mention again that he's only 35% owned in ESPN and it's probably roughly the same across most formats right now. Yeah. Probably ought to pick up Rashard Matthews if he's still out here. I'm going to go on to a guy that I dropped this past week or over the last couple weeks, guy that most of us kind of rage dropped. That's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. But he only targeted was targeted six times Sunday night, but he caught three for 72 yards. Now, we've always got the indication. I think his teammate Doug Baldwin said that he was dealing with a sprained PCL in his knee, but that was never officially put on the injury reports. I mean, and, he, he was dealing with a knee injury, but they never specified what the injury was mm-hmm. until, yeah. you know, Baldwin yeah, let so it he, slip. So we kind of had to go with uh, speculation from teammates and whatnot. But, I mean, if he really was dealing with a sprained PCL, that, that explains uh, the low production over the season's first half. You mentioned how the Seahawks fire up off their bye week and uh, maybe start to get aggressive with the passing game. I think Russell Wilson getting healthier and throwing the ball more is yeah. certainly going to help any Seattle uh, wideout option. I mean, Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham have both had pretty decent games over the last few weeks here. Tyler so, Lockett, it, yeah. high risk, high reward. Yeah, so this is Lockett's actual the first game that he's had a 20-plus yard reception since week two. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's indicative of health. It seems to be because he seemed he looked like the the guy that was running rush shot over people, you know, the second half of last season. And speaking of the second half of last season, he actually had 31 catches on 41 targets for 411 yards and five touchdowns during the last eight games. Yeah. Time to that's, get going on that's Tyler fairly that's, that's fairly steady production, too, if you actually look at the game logs. Yeah. And, and I want to mention, uh, I know we had Lockett very high in our preseason rankings, and, and one mm-hmm. of uh, our football guys in face of the company, Chris Liss, was very high on Tyler Lockett here. And I, I think Liss has an excellent eye for players. Uh, the timing wasn't there in this specific instance, but we're, we're going to get there because uh, I, I go back – 
uh, at the start of the 2015 season, Liss was very high on Terrell Pryor, wanted to get him even in the top 200. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen at all last season, but now this year we see what Terrell Pryor is doing and is capable of. So I think Liss still has that foresight, but it was maybe a little bit early, and I think we could see a similar situation with uh, Tyler Lockett coming into his own eventually. Yeah, and especially after uh, Doug Baldwin you know, goes out for three touchdowns this past weekend, you you have to think like any opposing defenses moving forward are going to be folk- or owning in on him. In addition to Jimmy Graham like you have to contend with Doug Ballou and Jimmy Graham and potentially Tyler Lockett now in this passing offense yeah absolutely so it's it's something to watch and one of the biggest strengths of Russell Wilson is being able to spread the ball around and find the yeah. open man he'll target eight nine different receivers in a day and if Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin are wrapped up you can bet he'll find Lockett so I think there's going to be at least one or two games the rest of the season where he gets 100 yards and a score I think uh, I would put I would go on the record with that prediction and I yeah. would feel pretty safe about it I don't even think that's all that bold of a prediction no it's not at all all right so we do like Lockett <laughs> long term granted it is risky if you're playing daily it's a GPP play if you're playing season long it's a it's a low-end flex for now until we see something but maybe worth picking back up if he's out there because I don't think he's going to get a ton of buzz finally Taylor Gabriel had I I believe a 76 yard a a deep touchdown for Atlanta I I said this on XM yesterday and DVR kind of chuckled at me but I called Taylor Gabriel a poor man's Kenny Stills and that's that's really not I mean you obviously know that that's not a compliment at all but my rationale behind that is because if you're picking up and starting Kenny Stills you're hoping he catches that one deep ball that mm-hmm. one pass. And if you look at Kenny Stills and Taylor Gabriel back side by side, I would have a little bit more confidence in that happening for Kenny Stills than I would for Taylor Gabriel. So Gabriel, very boomer best, best ball format only really. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think you're going to see the Browns re- really like, you know, going downfield that often anyway, mm-hmm. uh, especially, I, I mean, between you mean, you mean the Falcons, right? Gabriel Sorry, Fal- yeah, Gabriel played He's for the now Browns on the Falcons last year. Now. It's so funny because uh, with yeah. the Browns, he was used for like five-yard screens, like receiver mm-hmm. screens, and he's a very undersized wide receiver, so he's not going to jump up over any tall physical yeah. cornerbacks. But uh, with the Falcons, uh, I mean, you got yeah, you got Jones and Sanu above him on the depth chart, clearly above him on the depth chart. <sighs> And Gabriel will just complete boomer bust. So, you know, if you're scanning through box scores or are sorting your players by who had the most fantasy points in week 10, then Gabriel's name will come up. We're here to tell you to probably back off. Not really necessary here. Tight end position, Eric, here, unless you had any less thoughts on receivers. Yeah, I just uh, totally forgot that Taylor Gabriel moved on to the Falcons this year. <laughs> I mean, that's how much of an afterthought he is. Yeah. I, just, I, I basically put him in our outline today just so I could crack that Kenny Stills joke, uh, which yeah. we'll see how that falls with the listeners. Anyway, tight ends, Eric. Last week we talked about Zach Ertz, Richard Rodgers, Lance Kendricks. I mean, Richard Rodgers dropped a pretty costly pass that could have got the Packers a first down. That's not going to get him uh, anywhere more favorable with Aaron Rodgers. Zach Ertz is getting his. I think he had a 10-point PPR day or something along those lines. He's all right. Kendricks, another big question mark with Jared Goff taking over here. There's not a whole lot out there on the tight end waiver wire this this week. Uh, we did mention at the beginning of the show that uh, it's not like there are a lot of good tight ends on a bye. So, I mean, mm-hmm. your your Austin Hooper's on a bye, your Virgil Green. Who's even the tight end in Denver right now? Uh, yeah, it's Virgil Green. Yeah, non-factor. The <laughs> Jets aren't really using a tight end this year. At all. No. no. And, and, and the Chargers, I guess, have your Gates and Henry combo here. So, fortunately for most owners, you're not looking for tight ends uh, on the waiver wire. Though it is probably worth a shot to uh, 
bring up Cameron Braid again. It looked like James yeah. Swinson was going to him very often here. Got, I mean, he was more productive than Mike Evans, essentially. Yeah, so he's, in inc- game. Yeah, he's increased his targets, Cameron Braid is, in three consecutive games. Actually, four consecutive games from three to five to six to seven. He's reached the end zone in three consecutive games. Um, he's only 37% owned in ESPN formats. Mm-hmm. So considering how much... Uh, Jameis Winston is looking his way recently. I would say he needs to go out there. He needs to be owned. Even if you have Gronk, Gronk is dealing with the random chest injury that we're not sure what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say he sits out, sits out this week and yeah. you have Tampa you know, going against KC. Yeah. I mean, it's an iffy proposition, but you never know. Mm-hmm. If you get in the red zone, he's been looked at a lot in the red zone this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a shallower league, maybe go see if someone dropped Martellus Bennett just in case Gronk something happened there but uh, overall I think the Gronk injury has been downplayed since the initial reports it doesn't seem to be as serious as it was once thought to be you know the the lung I I don't know if I saw puncture or collapse but like people thought it was a lung injury at first and now it looks like it's just something as simple as just the chest contusion so yeah and over the last seven games this is the last thing on Cameron Braid Mm -hmm. 10 uh, red zone targets over the last seven yes he does love getting the looks of James Winston in the red zone now Mike Evans is always a, a fade in the red zone candidate but Cameron Braid's a big body that James that can catch it in traffic, and that's got to be good for Jameis Winston here. Uh, streaming defense options before we wrap things up, Eric. Uh, the Rams against the Dolphins here. The Rams, I, I'm an owner. I'll be the first to admit that I dropped the Rams after their, their early season struggles here, uh, but only owned in 61% of ESPN leagues. A candidate to pick back up against Tannehill and the Dolphins this week. Yeah, so, so amazingly, uh, I, I did not realize this until today, but Ryan Tannehill hasn't thrown an interception since week five. That's a stretch of four games. Exactly. Can't you see the Rams picking him off for the first time oh, yeah. in a while? I mean, yeah, generally the strength, strong suit of the Rams is their front seven. You got Aaron Donald uh, leading that from the nose tackle position here. Uh, those guys are studs. You know, if they get some pressure, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. So the Rams, I, someone I, to look at. Didn't they? I think the Dolph. Sorry, I'm thinking to the other side. Um, anyway, Steelers against the Browns. Yes. I think that's the other one that you yep. really need to own in on, especially since they're only 17% owned yes. in ESPN. So formats. yeah, you're going to find the Steelers much more widely available here. Yeah. And I think the 17% owned is, uh, you know, a lot of people pick the Steelers as one of the last fantasy defense every year, just because I think you associate the Steelers with good defense before you really think about what specific players they have playing what roles. So I think uh, the ownership there might even be a little bit inflated. Uh, but yes, weekly pick on the Browns. Go ahead and go after the team that's playing the Browns. The Browns are getting some of their weapons back. Granted, Corey Coleman's ready to go. I still am not scared one bit by the Browns offense. And even even though the Steelers absolutely got gashed, gashed on the ground by Ezekiel Elliott, Jay Ajayi ran for 200 on him earlier this year, I just don't uh, I think that they'll be able to stop the Crowell-Duke-Johnson-Cody Kessler combo. Yeah, and an unfortunate thing happened for the Steelers defense. Well, unless you're, you know, an AFC North uh, foe. Uh, They're going to kill the love of my life Daisy! if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.